Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Almighty Podcast. This is Adam. And this is Mike from NerdsOnEarth.com. And we are gathering together this week to talk about episodes 53 and 54 of My Hero Academia. Absolutely. And uh, 53 actually starts us off with a new intro. I guess this is a new story arc, so they've got to, you know give you a little new intro here and i gotta say i approve i have not liked the last few uh this one is awesome though i really like this one and i gotta say i never watch them as soon as <laughs> as soon as it comes on i skip forward to the first commercial break on verve and it's, i just pass over all of it i'm a terrible anime watcher but that's just that's just how it is but maybe maybe i'll watch it with your high recommendation Nothing beats the uh, the D and D RPG one. Like that's been the best one yeah. so far. That one but I actually watched I like because just visually, right off the bat, I was like, "Huh, this is a cool mashup yeah. of things." Exactly. Immediately, you're like, "My two favorite things: D and D and My Hero Academia." The rest of them had just felt too much like it was just various shots of the heroes posing for their Christian music album. You know, just like <laughs> staring off into nothingness. And I'm just like, I don't want to watch an hour or a minute and a half of that. So I just pass it every time. I think that uh, All Might will be my next inspiration for my next D&D character. Like, I'll build, like, a vigilante or something, you know? Uh, like a barbarian that rages or some such? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It'd be kind of okay. fun. It'd be interesting. So we get... Um, we're we're going to kind of start off with the beginning of this episode kind of with a revisiting a little bit before what happened at the very end of episode 52. So Midoriya does the weird full cowling shoot style for whatever reason, but he smashes the rock with his foot and we get a little bit of focus on um, some new gear. So we had already mentioned these gloves, but he's also got these like iron or steel, uh, almost like slippers that go over top of his shoes on his feet. Um, and this is kind of, they're designed almost like a, Almost like a gun, you know, like I think later on the way he's talking about it, they they almost work like the barrel of a gun with the spring action on it, if that makes sense. Okay, yeah, I couldn't figure out how they worked. Like I didn't really understand what was going on with them, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think it's it's almost like a recoiling effect, almost like the slide of a gun and the, the spring that's inside of that slide. Um, I think that that's kind of reducing that impact or mitigating it somehow. So I think that that's how it works. I will say we got a fun flashback scene where he's talking with Hatsume uh, at the very opening here, and they're talking with Ida as well. And she's like, you know, if you're going to start using your feet, you're going to have a really hard time competing in the pro business against Ida because he's a fully armored tank with an F-51 engine. <laughs> I was like, that's the best way to describe him. That's really cool. But she she sets him up, man. And he has, um, even by this time, which is just over the course of like four days, I think, that um, that passed Right between him getting, him having the first idea to get some training from Ida, and then this moment, I think it was another four day period. I wasn't really sure on the timeline. I don't think I picked up on that. Well, he's he's definitely got some training in because that kick wasn't accidental. The thing that he used to break the boulder that was going to crush All Might. Um, yeah, no, I mean he definitely was prepared for that. Yeah, and in the course of those four days, he's like, yeah, I changed my fighting style. <laughs> I mean, he's just yeah. like nonchalant. He's just like, yeah, well, I used to use my fists, but now I use my feet, hundred percent. Like. Like he just respect his character. Yeah, that's yeah. It felt it totally felt like a respect. I didn't think about it in those terms, but that's exactly what it felt like. Sorry, um, I'm thinking about it from a Shigaraki's perspective. Yeah, well, and you might have primed yourself for D and D earlier when uh, we started talking about that as well. That's true. That's true. Well, and he calls his new look costume gamma. Yeah. Which I don't know. That's a I don't like the. Last week we were complaining about full sh full cowling shooting style. Now I'm going to complain about costume gamma. That sounds stupid to me. I'm like it, I don't I don't like that. But isn't gamma the third letter in the Greek alphabet? 
I mean, maybe, but I I really like the way that All Might's uh, hero costumes were, like the Bronze Age, the Silver Age, oh, and the yeah, Gold yeah. Age, and whatnot. Okay. But See, like, I, I don't know, for Midoriya to just be like, oh, well, this was costume Alpha, then Beta, then Gamma. It's like, come on, come up with some better names. Yeah, that's what I assumed he was doing, because like his original one was the, um, you know, the the goofy green rabbit looking one. And then yeah, I'm glad this... to see the donkey mask has gone away. Yeah. And then he had, you know, the version that the school actually made for him that came in the case that he used, you know, with Gran Torino. And then this is this third version. That's what I, that's how I took it anyway. So, yeah, that's fair. All Might is on scene here and we get this interesting scene where he's kind of realizing that he's super weak. Like he's thinking about it to himself and Aizawa makes the mention like, hey, you should probably get out of here. We don't want you getting hurt, you know, and he's in his sling like poor All Might. I feel so bad for this guy. I I imagine that his his workflows throughout the day have just totally changed. You know what I mean? And Bakugo looks down at him and he's like, yeah, you better watch yourself. And All Might is just like, oh my gosh, like I'm the one that he's protecting. Like how how weird is that? That would be, just be such a weird um, paradigm shift, you know, the, for him. Yeah, that's a good phrase for it, a paradigm shift. I mean, he's just got to find a new normal. I think um, when he first gets on the scene, maybe at the end of last episode, he kind of turns into Swole All Might for just a split second before he... He can uh, only hold it for like two seconds, I think now, two or three yeah. seconds. And he goes back yeah. down to Jinko Jeans form. So he's, I mean, he's... He's got to find a new normal. I mean, this is his life now. He'll he'll get there. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so early. We, it's it's unfair for us to hold him to any higher of a standard than what we see him experiencing here, which is him going, man, this is new. This is weird because it's it's only been a short period of time. Sure, and I, I don't even think I'm trying to hold him to like a standard as much. I just feel bad for him. You yeah. know, that's a to go from being the number one hero that everyone looks up to to barely being able to protect yourself from a falling rock. Like that's that's just such a huge fall for someone, you know. Definitely, is this this well, is everyone, when Class One B shows up, right? Yeah, kind of. Like everyone is showing off the upgrades to their suits, uh, and I couldn't really figure out. Kirishima was touting that all of his oh, stuff yeah. was pretty cool, but I didn't really see a difference in his suit. Um, it looked like Jiro had some gloves or something. I mean, it, we don't really get a whole lot of what's going on with their suits just yet. I'm sure that we're going to get a bunch of it in the next couple episodes. Um, but this is when Manoma, you know, comes through and he's kind of chastising all of them about how, uh, I think he says something like only 50% of the people pass the, uh, provisional exams. So more than likely all of you guys are going to fail. And he's kind of, you know, ragging on them and Vlad's getting onto Aizawa cause he's like, Hey, you know, we've got this place rented. You need to get out of here. So class one B can, can practice. And Aizawa's like, we got 10 minutes. Come on. Uh, so they're kind of having some fun with each other. And this is when Manoma just starts going on and on. And, and I, I get a kick out of it, too, because I think one of the Class 1A fellows is like, wait a minute, that's his hero suit? And it just looks like a normal three-piece suit. Yeah. And, and that's, also, I think that's when Kendo is like, yeah, he didn't want to be flashy. <laughs> he's also running his mouth about failing. And he was one of the he was the only person from 1B in the remedial class, wasn't he? Yeah, he was the only one. <laughs> yeah. So I, he's just very insecure and it, it shows like he's, he's obviously trying to use laughter to cover up some pain here. Cause he's like laughing in the background and the, a couple of people are just like, dude, what is this guy's issue? <laughs> like he's just yeah. trying not to cry all the time, guys. That's what's, that's what his issue is. <laughs> well, this is what we get uh, pretty much an ex- explanation of the provisional exam. Uh, Aizawa, I think it's Aizawa that's explaining, it might've been Vlad, uh, that there are actually three different test sites. And so class 1A and class 1B have applied for different dates 
like it sounds like it's different days and different places, like actual physical locations. Yeah, I couldn't tell if they were on the same day or not, but um, they were yeah. definitely not going to be fighting each other. And right, uh, and Manoma is like, "Shoo!" And then, uh, then he starts running his mouth. He's like, "Oh, what a shame that I won't get to beat you guys up myself." And um, I think uh, Kirishima is just like, Did, "Didn't he just give off a sigh of relief that he doesn't have to fight us?" Like he's very, <laughs> uh, like I said, insecure. Poor, poor Manoma over here. Yeah, which I mean, arguably he has one of the cooler quirks too. I mean, ultimately. Like he can have any quirk he wants as long as he can be close enough to it. So true. I don't know. I've, I'm always a fan of copy quirks. I like copy quirks. Yeah. Taskmaster was one of my favorite villains in the X Men. Yes, Taskmaster is so awesome. He's he's got my favorite power in all of the Marvel universe for sure. His it, it's really unique. It's cool. Yeah, I love it. It's fantastic. In fact, we're we're I've already got some material on Taskmaster up on Nerds on Earth, but we're we're brainstorming some new stuff coming up, so I'm excited about okay. that. In fact, maybe by That's the time awesome. this episode goes live, I'll have written more Taskmaster stuff. We'll see, because he just got introduced as the villain in the Black Widow movie. So, Oh, is he? Really? That's cool. Oh, you hadn't heard that? Because he's originally a Deadpool uh, villain. Yeah, he. Uh, I don't remember who it was that he fought first, but um, there's there's images of him, um, you know, like un, unproduced uh, images of him online. If you want to look at what he might sort of look like in the Black Widow movie, they're already floating around. Have they cast him yet? Uh, I don't remember. Huh. But, okay. Um, well, interesting. Interesting yeah, tidbit. Yeah. the The two teachers, Aizawa and Vlad, are talking about this thing. Uh, not just that they're going to be taking it in different locations, but they're also talking about how very few first years are even trying to get their license. So the people that uh, both classes are going to be squaring off against are going to be folks who one have quirks they will have never seen because they're not people at the school and two have developed them longer than any of our students have. Um, so that's, that's ominous, but I mean, it's true. It, it's totally sensible. It's reasonable that that's the case. Um, but you know, they, Definitely. they're, they're just being honest with the kids. Like they're not like, yeah, you guys have, you've got this locked down. They're like, no, like it's going to be an uphill battle. It's not something that you can't do. Or that you won't be successful at, but here's here's the truth of it: these these folks are going to have more experience, even than you guys who have been through these crises, and definitely more time strengthening and um, learning how best to apply their quirks. So you guys will be not behind the curve necessarily, but just at a a disadvantage on those two fronts: on knowledge of quirks that they're going to be up against, um, and then just just general quirk application and utility. Yeah, I mean, the fact of the matter is they don't have nearly as much experience as these other folks do just because they're not old enough. Um, now, in my notes, this is actually the first time that I've got listed that they're at a, a massive disadvantage because everyone else has probably already watched these kids. Like, they've right. been all over the news. And then, of course, they had the festival. And this gets brought up later. But, you know, in my notes, I was like, these kids, they don't even know what they're getting into, really. Because I don't think that they've realized that everyone has been watching them for months now, it seems like. So, you know. Yeah, and I like the idea of getting to see other schools and other quirks. I actually, um, like an episode or two ago of ours, when Midoriya was like, I don't care if it's at UA, I'll go and and uh, do whatever I need to at another school to be a pro hero. I had the thought, like, after we had finished recording, that, like, that would actually be kind of neat to take him out. I mean, I would have missed characters, of course, but for 
another school means other characters, other quirks, and I like that. That's one of the things we've always been really excited about in this show is getting to see these other powers and how they can be used creatively. So this provisional exam is going to do exactly that. Absolutely. Well, and I think the first time I thought about there being other schools was when they were fighting uh, the villain named Mustard because he was a, yeah. he was a student that was dressed in school uniform, but it was from a different school. So uh, now that we are starting to pick up with more schools, I wonder if he's going to resurface. Like, I mean, I think they captured him, but I wonder if he'll be mentioned again. Yeah, and I thought I had maybe mentioned that they they thought he was much younger than them, and they were first years, so maybe he had like a junior high uniform on. Like maybe he goes to a, you know, like a school that, I mean, a lot of schools in Japan, I think are, you know, require uniforms. Um, But, you know, maybe in a couple of years or in a year, who knows, maybe he was an eighth grader or whatever, but, or ninth grader. I can't remember if it was freshmen or or sophomores technically that starts in high school over there. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, We we, we leave behind this discussion of, you know, some of the hurdles and disadvantages that they're going to have. And we get a brief scene in the common room at the dorms amongst a bunch of the girls from class 1A. Yeah, they're all sitting around kind of talking about their ultimate quirks. And uh, I'm really interested in what Momo's is because she makes a mention that she has an idea, but her body just isn't up to it yet. Like she cannot get her body to work with her quirk or it's not powerful or strong enough. So I'm interested in seeing what her ultimate move is. That's going to be pretty cool. Um, And, you know, they, they start talking about what's going on and they mention that Ochako is kind of spacey i guess and then that's when someone is like oh it must be love you know i think it was mina that's like oh you must be in love and she immediately is like what love glove dove yeah shove. she just like, starts just, rhyming just rhyming <laughs> <laughs> and floating off she starts spinning through the air uh she's activated her her own quirk on herself so she's like spinning uh like a pinwheel through the air um literally head over heels yeah, I was going to say, you made the mention earlier, literally head over heels, and I had not thought of it that way, and I think that's hilarious. What's, what's uh, and crazy of course, is they're like, who is it? And they put Ida on a list with Midoriya, I guess just by well, merit of the fact that they spend a lot of time around one another. Yeah, like, I mean, hardly ever are those trio not together, you know what I mean? Yeah, I just, it feels so glaringly obvious that she's she's got it for Deku. I mean, the whole thing is, like, I, I said this off air, if, if you are... If you are incapable of reading between the lines or have proven incapable of reading between the lines, this relationship that has been budding and existing really between Ochako and Midoriya, this is like Hori Koishi going, just in case you missed it, I'm going to make it as explicit as possible right here in this one scene. And I mean, she doesn't come out and say that she's, you know, head over heels for Midoriya, but we pan outside where she's watching him train and it looks like he's got a notebook full of like notes on probably how Ida uh, fights and he's reenacting some of Ida's moves. And he, he's even mentioning to himself like, no, I don't think he looked that way. His back was arched a little bit more or his, his arms were back and his feet were higher. So he's sitting out there trying to train and, you know, become a hero. Like he's, he ain't got time for girls. He's, he's too busy wanting to be a pro. And I like the idea that I, in my head, I'm sure, and this is probably the case, but in my head, at least Ida wrote this manual for Midoriya, like over the course of the past <laughs> I hadn't few days. thought of that. Like sat down and was like, this is how I did it. And like writes all these notes and has these diagrams. That feels like something Ida would do. It feels like something he would have prepared. Like Midoriya didn't have to ask for it. (laughs) Yeah. He just has like seven copies on hand. Yeah. 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 You had said that that you were excited about Momo's quirk. I'm curious about Sue's. And Sue is not a character that like I've been like, you know, super big on. I mean, she's great. But I know that other people Uh, are like, she's my favorite thing in the world. 
Yeah, um, no, Sue's definitely my it, like one of my favorites. She makes a mention that she's got an ultimate quirk that will make her more frog-like than ever. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what that means. That's what I want to see. That's the one that I'm yeah. like, oh, really? I'm curious to see what, what Sue's got cooking. Um, so I'm I was interested in what Otaka would that. have going on. I mean, there's very limited things you can do with gravity, I feel like. Yeah, but at the same time, we've also been like absolutely stunned by some of the things that she's pulled out of her hat with that. I mean, like against Bakugo that fight in the against tournament Bakugo, and all that. that was, yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. So, and imagine, I mean, she came up with that in an instant pretty much, or in a very short period of time anyway. Now she's had a lot more time, not just to familiarize and develop her quirk, but more time to think about practical applications of it. So I, I wouldn't, I mean, I, I certainly am not underestimating her anymore, but I was really struck by Sue being like, yeah, I got this super move that really uh it perfects some of my more frog-like techniques and i'm like okay now i'm curious because hers is one that i've just been like eh, okay i get it she's a frog um but i'm curious to see what they do with that concept that will that will wow me so i'm looking forward to that i don't know i like sue i don't even care what she does she could she could just hang out there and i'm cool with her like she's one of my favorites she's always she's always the one that's willing to do what it takes to be the best that she can you know yeah. what i mean like i feel like she almost never faults and her filler episode honestly has been one of my favorite episodes yeah that was pretty great so then we i guess we have a little bit of a time jump they they pull up to this place where they're going to have the provisional licensing exam and aizawa is making metaphors work for him somehow where he's like you're gonna go from novice eggs into chicks if you pass this test and then you'll be semi-pros and they start to do the plus ultra chant and they are interrupted by a stranger who just like walks up on the scene and screams ultra with the rest of the crew, but definitely is not from UA. Yeah. His name is uh, Yao Roshi and he is from the UA's like number one rival school. Shiketsu high is what I think it's named. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to make sure I'm pronouncing things right here. So Shiketsu right. high. Uh, and before he shows up, I think it was really funny. I think it was Saro that says something like, okay, Aizawa, I guess we'll all be professional chickens after this. <laughs> oh, I must've missed like, that. Aizawa was not the guy I would mouth off to, you know? Yeah. I must have missed that. I don't have a notes about that. I don't remember him saying that. Yeah, I think it was Sarah that said that. It sounds like uh, well, a Sarah anyways, thing. It totally does. He was the one that made the the poop comment about Momo's quirk. Like, Correct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so back to Yoroshi. Uh, this guy is so strange because <laughs> immediately after screaming plus ultra, he's like, I just wanted to say it. You know, and then he apologizes to everybody. When he does, he like slams his head into the ground and it starts bleeding. I mean, this dude is like severely over caffeinated. I think Saro says he's like Ida plus Kirishima squared. Uh, oh, that's funny. I don't think he said that in the dub. Uh, it's, it's definitely in the manga. Um, he's just like, wow, this guy's like super over the top. But while they're focusing on this stranger, Aizawa seems to recognize who this guy is, and he's like, he's he's really strong. He was admitted by recommendation, actually, to UA. It was like the highest yeah. recommended student, but he turned it down. And I think this is when Midoriya points out that, like, if he was the top recommended, that means he outperformed Todoroki. Yeah, that's, yeah, he gets to that place of, of deduction where he's like, so he was even... He, he says even better than Todoroki, and I'm just like, okay. I mean, I, I understand how that works. I mean, it, it took me a second to figure out how he could say that. But when, when he's like, he's the number one recommended, I guess there's a tier list that maybe we weren't aware of. We knew that there was a number of students, but not that they came ranked, if that makes sense. 
Sure, sure. Uh, well, the this next scene is one of my favorites in this episode because they're all standing there kind of just taking in this moment, and there is a female character that shows up on the scene, and Aizawa immediately looks petrified, and it's this character named Miss Joke, and she walks up, and she's like, oh, hey, Aizawa, should we get married? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy, uh, and Midoriya recognizes her and explains that she has what they call an outburst quirk, and so she can make people laugh. And he says that her crime scenes are always hilarious because all of these villains are just sitting around like laughing. They can't do anything but just laugh. And I'm like, all right, if if Aizawa gets married to anybody, it needs to be the girl that can, like probably the only thing in the world that can make him laugh. So a couple things about this is she walks up and says, let's get married. And there are a bunch of these little quips where she's like, says something ridiculous to him, like, let's date and let's get married. And he's just automatically without hesitation. It's just like, no. And, yeah, you know, and it's just his, those one simple words. <laughs> yeah. Our agencies used to be close to one another and our love for one another grew stronger. No, it didn't. Like he just, just shuts yeah. it down immediately. And there's a really funny note, like in a profile for Miss Joke in the uh, uh, 12th volume of the manga, where it says she's tried countless times to get a laugh out of Aizawa, but every time he was one step ahead in erasing her quirk so that she never succeeded. And when I read this, I started going back over the scenes in the manga and in the anime to see if there was ever a moment where she would say one of these ridiculous things and his hair would rise for just a split second to keep her from laughing. But it never did. That would have been a that would have been a hilarious visual gag oh, if that man. was uh, executed, where he was just like every time to keep himself from laughing and looking like a fool. If he was shutting down her quirk, like it that would have been, been great. incredible. Yeah, that that would have been one of those awesome like small world building moments. I would have loved. Yeah, you know what I mean. And what's even funnier uh, is it wouldn't have just affected him. Like he would have shut down her quirk and her impact on everybody. So she's like telling right. lame jokes. Everybody would just be like like stoic and quiet. <laughs> and it would have been great. She would have been like. A terrible comedian. And I, I love the fact that she continues to refer to him as future husband. Yeah. She's like, all right, future husband, let's go. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. So she's actually there with all of her students. Uh, she is a teacher at Ketsubutsu Academy. Close. Yep, that's how I would say it. Ketsubutsu? Yeah, we're going to go with that. Yep. Ketsubutsu Academy. Uh, and so they've got a couple of folks that show up. Uh, and they're, I, di- I didn't catch their names. There's three or four that they really focus on. And one of them is like really kind of not harping on Bakugo, but like grabbing his hand and shaking him and just kind of yep. talking about how much he admires him and whatnot. And Bakugo is immediately like, I don't trust this dude. Like, yeah. Get out of here. His you know name is I mean? Shindo. And I, my only note on him, I didn't catch his name until later on in these episodes, but my, my name on, or my, my note on him says, I don't know who the hand grabber is, but I don't like him already. He's just way too enthusiastic. Yeah. yeah he's super way like, Almost every character that we run into at this this event is over-caffeinated. I've got that in my notes <laughs> several times. Like, they all must just be super nervous and hyped up on monster energy drinks or something. Bakugo sees right through this guy's crap, though. I mean, I think he even says, cut the crap. And he's just like, your your lips can flap all they want, but they but your face says something else. And it's like he rolled yeah. a really high perception and sees through this guy's facade. And um, he, he's, he's, he's suspicious, at least. Right, right. And the, one of the other characters that's there is a, a girl walks up and she asks Todoroki for a signature and he just kind of blows her off and doesn't say anything. And Mineta pops in behind her and it's like, I'll sign something for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then this is when we started getting teased and this happened twice this episode where, um, and we do, we do get it answered um, to our satisfaction uh, in the next episode, but like Miss Joke is looking at Aizawa and she's like, 
because uh, the kids are walking away and they're like, yeah, we're practically celebrities because of the festival and all this stuff. And Miss Joke just looks at Aizawa and she's like, did, did, did you not tell them? And I just have in my notes, I was like, didn't tell them what? I must know right now. What is, yeah, what yeah. is Aizawa I was wondering the same thing. <laughs> exactly. I was like, what is she talking about? Oh, yeah. Uh, it, and it was, we get left on that hook for, for quite a while. But, Unfortunately, um, yeah. We, we do have resolution for it. I think even by the end of this episode, if I remember right. Yeah, it's definitely, it's either by the end of this episode, it, yeah, it's definitely at the end of this episode, so it's pretty quick, um, but we, we transition into the inside of this building where all of these students are there, and I think they end up saying that there is 1,540 examinees, Yep. and they have decided that they're only going to let 100 students pass, and the guy that is monitoring this is named Mira, M-E-R-A, and he he's immediately complaining about how his circadian rhythm is off and he's super tired like he's fallen asleep and he's like all right let's just let's just get this over with he's and, and he goes on about this like rant on how uh hero killer stains ideologies have changed the way that they're going to i guess monitor the exams or or change how many students they allow to pass and he he makes kind of a funny comment because he's like you know i just don't get it like if you're gonna risk your life to save someone why shouldn't you ask for a reward so it's interesting that this is kind of the first time we've seen someone oppose Hero Killer Stain in such a public setting, you know? Yeah, in the manga, he says, whether it's done for compensation or out of dedication to the cause, we have no shortage of heroes out there working to save people and put villains away. And so he's like, so the response time for heroes getting to scenes is incredibly short. And as a result, they're going to be tested on speed. So this first... Um, this first piece of this uh, provisional exam is going to be um, a, a test of speed. And he says that uh, only 100 people are going to be able to pass this one and move on. And people start freaking out because there's, like you said, there's 1,540 of these guys. And 100 is not 50% number one. It, you know, it's significantly less than that. And so people Absolutely. are starting to trip. Mira ends up explaining the basic rules for this examination. And, and it, it sounds like they're each student is going to be given three targets that they can put anywhere on their body as long as it's exposed. And then each person also gets six like red balls that light up the targets whenever they're touched by the balls. So if a person has all three targets hit, they're out. And whoever gets the third target is the person that gets the credit. You have to throw the third ball at the third target on somebody to, to get credit for the KO. So if you hit the first one, doesn't count, but if you hit the third one, it's fine. So you could run around and steal kills just like you used to do in Halo back in the day, and <laughs> that's how that's how you advance. So t- you have to score two KOs, and then you advance. And if you get hit three times, then you're knocked out. Absolutely. And this is a really cool scene, too, because he's just like, okay, let's get started. And the walls collapse, and they're in this massive arena that's got, it looks like five or six different kinds of terrains. Like, there's like a mountainous terrain, and there's a city terrain, and some plains. Uh, and then there's like an industrial area. It, it looked like a pretty cool setup. And I mean, they're they're trying to prepare for the fact that they're going to be different kinds of quirked heroes. Uh, and it made me wonder, do, do you think that this Mira has a quirk? Like, or is this just like a quirkless human? You know what I mean. That's monitoring the exam because he I hasn't could see exhibited him being quirkless. Anything. Yeah, he seemed quirkless to me. I don't know why I thought that. Just something about him. I hadn't thought anything about it to be honest. I, I think I just assumed that he was quirkless. We we there are people in the world that are like that. We don't get to see many of them just because of the context of what we're that's focusing fair. on with the anime. But occasionally we have to bump into them. Yeah, occasionally you'd think so. Uh, Midoriya makes it seem like it's just such an abnormal thing, you know? Yeah. 
I mean, two, I mean, a quarter of the population almost. That's, pr- that's pretty, pretty significant. That's true. That's very true. Uh, and so we, we transition over to another scene with Miss Joke uh, talking with Aizawa. They're like up in the stands. And I thought this was kind of strange because the stands are completely empty. There's almost nobody in them. And I, I, I don't know. It just kind of seemed weird to me. I was like, I wonder where all the other, you know, teachers are. Yeah. I mean, it's a big old arena. If you figure, you know, what's, what's 1,540 divided by 20, we'll say that 20 is like the average class size. Um, so if there's 20 kids, that's 77 schools and they're in an arena. So imagine being at, you know, your local sporting stadium uh, with that's just true. 77 other people. You certainly wouldn't have to be sitting close to one another, but you know, Miss Joke wants to sit close to Aizawa so that she can continue to be shot down with, <laughs> with her advances. Too bad that he, his like hair wasn't on end the entire time. You know what I mean? I know. <sighs> I, and, wish, and I wish just once I would have loved to have seen his hair gone up for some of this stuff, but it didn't Me happen. too. Me too. And to be fair, you make a really good point. I actually live a mile down the road from Nayland Stadium, uh, which is the Tennessee Vols Stadium, and that that place seats like thousands of people. So if there were just 77 folks there, it would look so empty. Now, to be fair, with the way the Vols have been playing, (laughs) there are only like 77 (laughs) people sitting in that stadium right now. (laughs) Probably not wrong. But uh, we we get this, Miss Joke is sitting close enough to Aizawa, and she starts kind of picking at him a little bit she's like it's pretty rare that you know that you haven't expelled anybody at this point you must like him and he's like no not really and yeah which is an interesting <laughs> callback too because that's the very first thing that we were told whenever Midoriya gets Aizawa as the homeroom teacher All Might is like oh crap and that's never come back up until just now so apparently he did expel people that wasn't just All Might exaggerating and then she's like well you don't have to be embarrassed about liking him just go ahead and say it and he's just like shut up I mean he just is shutting her down left and right and it's great yeah it is um, their, their dynamic is awesome yeah so we get down to it's almost like I mean it's similar to present Mike and Aizawa I mean it's, it's not quite oil and water but it's close you know what I mean like they're just very different um, but these I think Aizawa and present Mike are I think Aizawa tolerates present Mike more. Like, actually, I don't know. I mean, we're brand new to this this relationship dynamic, but it seems like he's just constantly annoyed by Miss Joke, to be honest. So, Well, it seems like she's probably also trying to use her quirk on him, so he's probably having to try to dodge that, you know. Yeah. I imagine he's the kind of guy that doesn't like having quirks used on him. Not that yeah, anybody I does, I guess, but he just seems like, he seems kind of like a, I don't know. He's, he's such an enigma. Everything about Aizawa is an enigma to me. He's great. He's the best. Just in case I hadn't said it this episode, he's the best. Um, <laughs> we go down to the students, and they've got like a couple of minutes, I think, once the walls drop to kind of organize themselves however they'd like. So Midoriya's like, all right, we're going to be fighting um, people. We don't know their quirks, but we know ours, so we should probably hang out together. Uh, safety in numbers kind of thing, which seems like a pretty wise um, decision. But uh, Bakugo and Todoroki are just like peace out um Todoroki at least has a really really good reason I mean he's just like in a big group if we're all clustered together my quirk is severely limited and dangerous is what he mentions yeah. well and, and Kirishima runs just like Bakugo so I guess the yeah. two of them are gonna go be homies together Bakugo's just like in the manga at least he says as if this ain't some class picnic and he just runs off which is that made me <laughs> laugh that's great. But then we return back up to the stands and there's this continuing conversation between 
Miss Joke in Aizawa, who's just like, you should have told them about the crushing of UA. Um, because apparently, because of the disadvantages that we talked about earlier, because everybody knows there's their quirks already, and because you of UA's just general prestige, like they draw all of the aggro at these things. So like UA gets their, their target number one for all of the other classes. Um, and it's almost like tradition is what she says. It's it's pretty much tradition that um, UA is going to get taken out first, or at least they're going to be targeted first. Yeah. I mean, it, she even makes a mention of like every year the exam's just a little different. But the one thing that always stays the same is that UA gets crushed immediately. So yeah. I really like Aizawa's explanation, though. Like, oh, she's awesome. almost like, why wouldn't you tell them this? And he's like, I didn't tell them that because it wouldn't change what they had to do. They still have to overcome this stuff. A hero is someone who can turn around a bad situation. And plus, if they go pro, everyone's going to know their quirks anyway. Yeah. Um, so he and then he gets a little sh- sharp tongued and he's just like, it's OK. We, we think uh, we're more f- uh, forward thinking than you guys are. Yeah, yeah, and uh, she immediately is, like, turned off by this. I mean, she makes a face just like, well, screw you, as all. <laughs> yeah, but then we see the very last kind of bits of this episode are the heroes of uh, Class 1A, like, defending themselves from this initial onslaught. I mean, there's probably a hundred balls flying at them, and Midoriya kicks a bunch back, and Dark Shadow uh, and Tokoyami knock a few down. Mina melts a bunch. Even Mineta gets in on the action and like sticks a bunch with like a sticky ball whip, which must be one of his new super moves. Yeah, there was a lot of really cool stuff happening here. I mean, we get to see a pretty quick showcase of a bunch of their quirks all at once, and it was it was pretty cool. Um, I was really excited to see what they're gonna do in this this exam. And that pretty much wraps us up, I mean, for episodes 53 anyways. Yep, and episode 54 is called Shiketsu High Lurking, and it starts off immediately. I mean, I mean it, it hits, yeah, hits it ground hits running. right back up on the action, yeah. So Aizawa, I mean, I, I mean, I, this stuff is going on, obviously, in the arena below him, but Aizawa's just like, listen, they're going to have to work together as a team, and they're going to have to gather information, um, you know, specifically on other quirks in play and how they're going to how they're going to have to deal with these things. But we we return right back down to the scene. So we're back on the ground with Class 1A from UA uh, coming under uh, high heat from folks from the Ketsubutsu Academy, which is the one that Miss Joke is uh, the teacher of, if I remember right. Yeah, and at first it seems like they're kind of upset because they're like, oh man, we're not hitting any of them. And one of their students, I've got his name written down, is Shikui Makabe, uses mm-hmm. something that is uh, the stiffening quirk. And he actually takes all of the like bouncy balls that they're throwing at each other and makes them rock hard, like which totally feels like it should be illegal, right? Um, but I <laughs> it guess is, not. it does, definitely amps up the danger quotient. Yeah, I mean, like, okay, like if you get hit with a lacrosse ball, which kind of is what these things look like, it's going to hurt. But if you get hit with a rock, it's really going to hurt. Like, you could kill somebody. So they're not holding back. Uh, and, and then not only do they make these things super hard, he hands them off to another student uh, named Totoke, who has a boomerang quirk. It, or, well, it's really a targeting quirk. So my understanding is that he can throw any object at any trajectory with perfect aim. So he takes these, like, rock-hard uh, lacrosse balls and throws them into the ground and aims them at Mineta and all of the Class 1A students. So they have no idea what's going on. They can't see these things, so they can't evade from them. Uh, and Jiro steps up and is like, don't worry, I got this. And she uses something called sound amplification, and she, like, plugs her jacks into the, her gloves and then blows up the ground with sound waves. And I was like, oh, that is so freaking cool. 
Yeah, it was definitely one of her. It showcases some of her new support items too. These little like wrist things that she's got, which is really really neat. That amplify. Um, it says I think it's her heartbeat that gets amplified on this thing because doesn't she? Is that what it is? Yeah, I think she calls the the move the heartbeat distortion. And oh, that's the, cool. I didn't catch that. In the manga in particular, it says "badum" as the uh, sound effect, as the automatopoeia, which is, you know, close to what we would say if you were like, make the sound of, of a pulsing heart, badum, badum. That's um, true. I wanted to go back over uh, Makabe and Toteki, or Shikui Makabe and uh, Aidejiro Toteki. So Shikui Makabe's stiffening, as you called it, um, the explanation of the quirk is, can make objects he needs or scrapes with both hands super hard. And I just have written in my notes the classic. It's not that kind of anime, but they do well. In the I was gonna say they do clarify because he yes. says he can't use it on living things. Doesn't work on living things. Yep. <laughs> and then I thought that Toteki reminded me of somebody. Does he not remind you visually of a character that you would also be familiar with from another anime? Um, I guess not. I didn't. I, I really didn't pay too much attention to him. I suppose. I thought. Well, hold he... on. Let me let me pull up a picture real quick. Okay. Let's see. Oh wow. You know, now that I'm looking at him, he does look familiar, but I can't think of what from. Okay. He reminds me, and this is what, this is verbatim what my notes say. Okay. My notes say, dang it, let me pull my notes back up. My notes just say (laughs) this Android 17 looking dude. Oh my gosh, you're so right. How did I not see that? He looks just like Android 17. He definitely does. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's even got his page now. Yeah. Instead of the little orange kerchief that uh, Android 17 rocket rocks this guy looks like he has more of a scarf but as soon as he came on screen i was like this dude looks exactly like android 17 he totally does yeah apparently here's some fun trivia for you uh and you apparently uh itajiro was unnamed prior to his appearance in the anime so in the manga i guess he hasn't been named yet which is kind of neat yeah i was looking at that actually because on the page um i don't see a name it says gengetsu kido so kido gengetsu is actually the uh, japanese version of his super move which is trajectory ah. crescent moon okay yeah because that's actually what he says whenever he does it in the the dub version he's like trajectory crescent moon and then he throws him down to the ground gotcha so well, kido gengetsu is the japanese version like you said jiro uh causes these things the, the balls do come up out of the air they are melted by mina and then tokoyami immediately goes on the offensive and he tries to basically just pin a ball with the dark shadow, like he's got it palmed, um, and the dark shadow's arm extends towards one of the characters. Uh, and this girl, whose name is Tatami Nakagame, she just like retracts into her own waist, and it's yeah. the creepiest looking thing in the whole wide world. And it, yeah, even the announcer says that. Yes, he's so he says that her quirk is called telescopic, and she can fold her body into itself like a turtle. And my note just says. This is not like a turtle. What the hell kind of turtles is present Mike seen? <laughs> yeah, this that's is exactly what I was thinking. All like a turtle. No, no, not at all. Like it was like maybe the creepiest turtle ever. There is uh, no like, shell at all. She just parts of her. I don't. I don't even know how it's. It's just strange looking. And I think he even says it'll make you faint if you see it on a dark road at night. But I was like, what in the world? <laughs> it just yeah. made me laugh. I was like, what the hell kind of turtles is present Mike seen? That's funny. Did you get? Uh, did you catch what Mina said whenever she protected Mineta? Um, no. She uses she uses like a special move, and she says something like uh, "Acid Wave, protect this creepy perv." Uh, <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> that is pretty great. So then, that guy that we met, the handshaking guy, I think Shindo. 
um, he sees that the defenses of class 1A are, are they're, they're noteworthy. He's like, he gives them a little bit of respect. He's like, you know what? This isn't the same group of kids that we saw at the sports festival. They've come a long way. So he's like, the, the best approach for us now is to split them up. And so he uses his quirk um, in a super move, I think, that he calls Tremoring Earth. Um, yeah, I saw Maximum Force Tremoring Earth. And- yeah. <laughs> Man, it's uh, true to his word. He totally breaks up the ground all around them. In fact, the entire arena feels the tremors. Um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, Todoroki is nowhere close to this, and he sees it, and he's just like, was that an earthquake? No, no, no. That has to have been somebody's quirk. Yeah, and I think they said his quirk's name is just vibrate. He can just make things yeah. vibrate. I mean, yep. he's literally Earthquake from X-Men. Yeah, he is Quake. Yeah, and and he, um, he, he has his... the. The detraction, I guess, or the 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 bad part element of his quirk is that the aftershocks can immobilize him for a while. Oh, um, so it's kind of like uh, Kaminari with his electricity. I didn't catch that. Yeah, it says aftershocks based on the strength of the vibrations transfer to his body, making him unable to move for a short period of time. Huh, that's interesting. Um, so then we get to this cool scene one of my favorite scenes from this entire episode where we return to a character uh, the character that um aizawa said that the rest of the class needed to keep their eyes on the yarashi guy yeah and also yarashi yeah who looks like when he finally makes his presence known so uh, i'll back up just a hair the there's a bunch of heroes all battling it out and they're they're throwing like I mean hundreds and hundreds of balls at each other, and a couple of lights are getting lit up, and then all of a sudden their balls just start flying into the air in like a whirlwind. And at the on this rooftop is the Yaroshi guy, Yaroshi, and he looks like M Bison from Street Fighter. That's like, exactly what I have in my notes. Like you, I just have he looks like Bison from Street Fighter. He definitely does. I mean he's very beefy, has a big cape, has that same kind of like. Uh, aviator hat on if you want I don't yeah, know and the, the weird hat. creepy smile yeah very glaring eyes big hands and stuff um, he sucks up all of their balls into a vortex and then just sends them raining down on everyone he takes out 120 people at one time yeah and Mira who was the announcer and the like examiner I guess the person watching the examination uh, he freaks out and he's wide awake and he, even he says like oh my gosh I've never seen that many people get taken down by one attack so he's wide awake and he's now counting down the students like, okay, you know, at this point in time, 30 people have passed and whatnot. So we'll, we'll be able to keep you guys up with who's passed and who hasn't. Okay. So let me ask you a question here. Cause I got real excited when I saw this guy in action, I was like, all right, who's going to fight him? Todoroki or Bakugo? Oh, I've already got Todoroki. Like at the end of my sentence, I said, I bet we will see Todoroki and this guy duke it out. Cause I don't think Bakugo would even stand a chance to get this guy. So, like, don't get me wrong. Bakugo would want to fight him, but I think he'd get taken out immediately. Yeah, so I have that Bakugo makes more sense given the encounter before the test began, like just that interaction that they had. Um, sure. But I would much rather watch the Todoroki fight. Honestly, Todoroki and Yaroshi would have been like an awesome team up. If they had gone to the same school and they were on the same team as pro heroes, can you imagine someone that can control the wind and then insert fire and ice into that wind? Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's like Sharknado, right? Like all you need is the, like those two guys and Coda to team up together. 
and or, you've got like yeah. an impenetrable force. <laughs> I was going to say, um, I like your idea better because I was just about to say this guy and that one dude who's had the unfortunate phenotype of the quirk of just where he was a shark, but he still had lungs. Um, oh, yeah. And that, they that could literally be USJ. Sharknado. But then your idea is way better that Coda is just like, yeah, I'll call a bunch of sharks over, you know? Sure. <laughs> That's great. And you could have you could have Silky lead them. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah. That's an unstoppable force right there. All right. Somebody needs to make like, a fan art of this happening. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> Dakota Yaurashi team up. That would be so stinking awesome. And they um, could all be riding uh, Kirishima's hardened body. Like he could be like a surfboard for them. So yeah. like Todoroki's creating the ice. They're riding on, like standing on top of Kirishima. And like, I'm just, I'm creating my ultimate dream team here. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> well, man, he, he totally decimates, I mean, a significant more, he takes out more people in one shot than the number of people that are actually going to pass this exam. Oh uh, yeah. And he's done. Like he's off the field now, I think. I mean, he's, he's got his I, two people. So I think that he's off the field. I guess I wasn't paying that much attention. I didn't realize that you only had to get two people out to be off the field. Yeah. And I don't feel like they made it very clear that he's done either. Like I just assumed it was uh, whoever like last man standing, like the last hundred folks standing are going to be our hundred that get the, like pass on to the next exam or whatever. Gotcha. Uh, but it doesn't appear to be that way. Cause Mira makes a mention of like, yeah, he's done. He's, he's passed. Yeah. And there's a number, I mean, they get up to like 50-something people pass them by the end of this episode, but we move away from him, and we catch back up with Midoriya, who is emerging from uh, some of the rubble, and he's having a conversation with himself. He's and he's keeping it quiet, because he doesn't want to let anybody know where he is, really. Um, but it's kind of great, because he's like, he's, he's talking about his current situation, you know, he's he's vulnerable when he's by himself, and these these people have got some pretty impressive quirks and all this stuff. But then he channels his inner Goku and he gets excited about fighting stronger foes, um, which is it was very, very Goku of him to say it the way that he did. Uh, he's like, I'm actually kind of excited about all this. Yeah. Yeah. And, this and is- he totally like just stops paying attention. I mean, he's daydreaming. And this girl in like she's like in this leather outfit. I don't I, I've got in my notes that she reminds me of like a BDSM dominatrix chick because the way she's dressed up is very, very sexual, I would say. And she like crawls up on top of him and attacks him and pings one of his targets with one of the balls. And I mean, he's like totally shocked by it. Didn't see her coming, didn't hear her. And, you know, at first I thought it was just because she's day, he was daydreaming, but maybe her quirk kind of lended more towards that. And, and we'll talk more about that here in just a couple of minutes. Yeah, I have uh, someone who is wearing the kind of cop uniform that you'd buy for a female at a really sketchy Halloween shop scores a hit on Deku. Because <laughs> it's like, you know, when you go to Amazon and you type in like sexy cop, that's what she seems to be wearing. Exactly. Yeah. And it doesn't look like it's well made. Like it looks like something that you would you would buy for real cheap at like a cruddy store for sure. Right. And then we we get this weird scene where and it's real quick. I don't I guess I kind of understand why they show it, uh, but I, I felt like it was kind of out of place. Um, it's just Ochako waking up in the middle of the rubble and she says something like, OK, it's time to use sneak your gravity. And then right. it transitions right back to this scene with Midoriya. And this female that we learned, her name is Cammy or Kami. I'm not sure how they don't say her name. Cammy. Okay. So Cammy is attacking Midoriya and he's trying everything he can do to keep up with her, but she just keeps disappearing and showing up like right behind him. Uh, And she ends up like pinning his arm up against his back and she's crawling all over him in this really creepy way. Yeah. And it's, 
it's so creepy too because like I know that first of all she's a cartoon so it's creepy but second of all I also know she's underage so there's like a lot of weirdness in this scene yeah uh, just in general that's that's what I was about to say it's like in scenes like this it's important for us as viewers to remember that these are minors these are like 13 to 17 year olds maybe I mean they're in high school and they're they're only second years in high school so even if Japanese high schools start at 10th grade uh, I mean you're still talking about 10th grade is when you get your driver's license. So 16, 17 years yeah. old. And I'm right. just like, I'm watching this and I'm just like, golly, this is, this lady is being hypersexualized and she's not a lady. She's a young girl, <laughs> you know? Right. That's the thing. Yeah. And she totally has this creepy intrusive vibe. Like Toga is what I put down. Like she's like, Absolutely. I want to know you. And, uh, it's just super creepy. She's all over him. It's weird. Oh man, it was unsettling to watch, but she's just like, I want to know all about you. And this is, she's saying this like into his ear when she's like lying, like full body chest down on his back. Yeah. And she's kind of like whispering it into his ear. Like it, the whole thing's kind of creepy. Uh, and she, she keeps telling him like, Oh, you know, you think I'm disappearing, but I'm not, I'm holding my breath and I'm clearing my mind and it's allowing me to get past you. And, uh, and he's able to like kind of blast away real quick, just in time. And a bunch of other people show up right as he does. So now you've got not only this chick like looming right behind him, but probably close to a hundred, 150 other people trying to attack just him. So all he does is like, dip, duck, dodge, and dive out of the way. I mean, he's doing everything he can to stay out of everybody's business. Uh, and he sees Ochako off to the side who is running up to help him, but gets taken down by another student. And so Midoriya's got this quick montage where he's like, you know, I couldn't save Bakugo because my legs weren't strong enough and my arms were broken. And if I had been able to save him, then All Might wouldn't be where he is today. And I don't know. He goes through this kind of weird diatribe real quick. And, and then it jumps back into the moment where he's like, okay, I've got to train my legs so I can never fail anybody again. And he jumps after her, saves her, hits the ground and kind of like rolls out of it. Uh, and she's sitting behind him and he's kind of talking to her for a second. And then we get this weird scene where like her face just totally changes. Like the way that they draw her face almost just looks weird. And she starts to try to tag one of his targets and he slaps the ball out of her hand and is like, okay, who the hell are you? Because Ochako would have already used her powers by now. You know, like there's something weird here. You're definitely not her. Yeah. And before, I think, I think the music stops at this scene, but when they were first beset, when Kami and Midoriya come under fire, the music playing in the background of that scene is the hypest music of this entire show so far. I want to find it. Oh, it's it. really good. It's so awesome sounding. And I, you know me, like if you listen to the podcast at all, I don't really talk about the music at all. It's not my jam. But this scene, I was, I mean, I made a specific note that I was like, I need to find the name of this song because it is dope what's playing in the background. See, I'm the opposite. I like that this whole time we've been recording this podcast, every almost every episode, I have a note on like really loved this song here. You know, yeah. like, I've loved all the music. It's so good. I think it's so fitting. You know, like I feel like there are so many times in, in a lot of TV shows where you've got music going on in the background, but it doesn't do much to emphasize the scene. It's just there because your brain doesn't like you know, silence in between people talking. Right. But with with this, it's like every time they play a music in a scene, it gets me hyped up, man. Well, in this, I think the music dies down when this confrontation between him and Ochako takes place, or air quotes Ochako, um, because he starts asking her if if she would just happen to be from Shiketsu, because he assumes now that this is maybe some sort of like impersonation quirk. 
And because right. he's like, listen, I've, I know that uh, Ochako has been training and she can ignore the side effects of, of her own gravity quirk. And she wouldn't have forgotten to use her, no gra- her, or her gravity quirk to keep from falling like you did. And she definitely wouldn't have revealed herself if she didn't, ha- if, if she didn't have a plan. So you're definitely not the Ochako that I know. And then, well, and the one thing that really set me off, the one thing I'm surprised he didn't notice, and this was the whole reason they had that quick cut over to Ochako. The Ochako, like the real Ochako, is not wearing her helmet, and this Ochako is. Ah. So that was the only, like, that's the only reason I can assume that they showed that quick scene, just to show you a quick glimpse of, like, okay, there's clearly a difference. If you're paying attention, you'll pick it up. You yeah, I mean? you're right. I didn't even notice that, but you're totally right. Interesting. So once he calls her out on this, uh, the quote unquote Ochako turns into what I have listed as ooze lady. Yeah. I called uh, her Clayface after the Batman um, villain. Clayface is much more appropriate. We're going to go with that from here on out. Uh, she's totally naked and totally oozy and like gross. I mean, she looks like that sludge monster almost from the first episode, but like more put together, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Very definitely uh, has feminine, um, feminine shapes and appeals to her. Uh, and is totally got Midoriya stumbling all over his words because even she is doing the same thing that that Kami lady was and was like, I want to know more about you. And Midoriya Midori is just like, can we do this after the exam? <laughs> <laughs> I think that that is Kami because, well, at least I'm, I'm not sure. The first two times I watched it, I, I didn't, I was like, who is this? But then when I watched it the third time when I took my notes, uh, in the subtitles, it had Cammy next to every time she talked. So I'm thinking that that's Cammy. But the thing that really weirded me out is that she doesn't have any targets on. Like immediately when I saw that, I'm like, she should be disqualified. Like yeah. you can't fight totally naked. Right. Plus, we already had Cammy talk about what her quirk supposedly was. And she's not a Nomu, so she doesn't have more than one, right? I mean, so the thing is, is like whenever she was talking earlier about disappearing, I assumed that that was some sort of technique that she learned at Shiketsu like that because the way Midoriya made it sound like he didn't say, oh, you have a disappearing quirk. He said, you, you've you already learned that kind of a technique at, at Shiketsu. Like, that's incredible. So I, I guess I was under the impression that maybe her quirk was more like twice and, you know, she kind of has like either clones or she's just the sludge monster and can turn into other people. Kind of like a mystique from uh, uh, X-Men. She kind of has a real mystique vibe to her. You know what I mean? Yeah. See, I, I took when she was saying that if she holds her breath and stops thinking that she can disappear, or blend in or whatever it is. Uh, so that's like her, her actual quirk quirk. quirk. Yeah. Okay. So I don't think I do. I do not think this is Cammy. I didn't get that. What sense if her? At all. What if it is Cammy and her quirk isn't that she disappears, but it's that she blends into whatever she's around. So like that sludge turns her into the environment around her. Into Ochako though? It doesn't Well, I mean that line that's up true. Right. Okay, I'll give you that. I don't know. I just I thought it would be weird that they would put Cammy's name next to the subtitles. That's the yeah. only reason I assumed it was her. Because otherwise, the first two times I watched it, I was like, well, I'm I'm willing to bet we'll find out five minutes into the next episode because that's well, literally what happens to us all the time. And Cammy has like when she's on screen uh, earlier on against uh, fighting off or fighting with Midoriya, she has targets on. Right, like, that's I, true. You can see her targets. So. I, I don't know what's going on here. Uh, it may, maybe it is another person from Shiketsu, but we don't get a name because like, they have a little bit of a spat. Ochako shows up on the scene um, actually with Saro, and uh, Saro gets there, and um, she, he, he separates them because she starts going on the offensive, this, uh, this lady does, this naked lady. Right, well, 
And she makes a comment that was very similar to Toga, where she's like, okay, there's too many people here now. Like, I'm going to duck out. Yep. Yep. So and that's so, just another reason I was like, maybe it is Cammy, because Cammy talked just like Toga. Like, t- Toga and Cammy are totally best friends. Like, they are pen pals or something. They definitely talked very similarly. But uh, anyway, I wonder if she's the same she, voice actress. She goes on the offensive against Midoriya and cuts him on the cheek, but then Saro's tape comes flying in, and he's like, uh, what's going on here? What's this enviable situation that you're in with this naked woman? <laughs> like, that's what that's what he's concerned about right here. <laughs> well, wasn't Sarah the one that was totally passed out on midnight uh, oh, yeah. during the uh, the teacher versus the the students? Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's that's got right. a little bit of a pervy streak in him, or at least he's well. Him and Mineta he's not like shy about talking about things like this. Oh, definitely not. Well, it, I mean, immediately after this, uh, Midoriya looks at both of them and he's like, "You you're Sarah and Achako, right?" Yes. And they're like, "Well, yeah. Why?" And he goes, well, she looked like Ochako earlier. And Sarah just goes, all right, I got to know. Was she naked then, too? <laughs> yeah, he's yelling it like he's yeah. shaking Midoriya, I think. And what's great is that is totally off panel from the uh, from the manga. That's not in here. That's anime only. And it is good. Is comedy. it really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was great. And what's funny is like, I mean, Ochako's standing right there. And, and she wasn't on screen. They didn't show her. But I wish they had because you got to know her face was like bright red and pissed off. Yeah. But again, it's not that kind of anime. So Sarah just needs to calm down. I think I wrote it's not that kind of anime like three or four times in this one episode, like this one pair of episodes. Yeah, and, I and the, see the, why. the last time is still coming. Uh, the last time is is still on the horizon that I have this written in all caps in my notes. Um, all right, but all right. This lady, whoever it is, is like you said. She's like, oh well, you know, it looks like we won't be able to talk right now. And then she just she disappears. Or she tells Ochako, she's like, he really he really trusts you. And then she takes off, I think. I think she runs off because Sarah wants to chase after her. Of course. And Midori's like, don't I mean, do that. What 16-year-old boy wouldn't want to, right? Right. Naked woman goes right, uh, you go right. Um, <laughs> but he, Sarah well, we tra- does manage to restrain himself and stay back with Midoriya. Well, we end up transitioning over to Todoroki, who has been hiding out in what I think is like the industrial zone. Like it looks like he's in kind of a like construction area, uh, and he's kind of just waiting on some folks to pick off. Like he, he's waiting kind of till it seemed like the last bit of people were going to be funneled through. Like I guess he kind of didn't want to waste his time with the easy folks, right? I guess, or he's or he's wanting the because he realizes, I assume that all the classes are kind of sticking together. And they're larger groups. So he's like, well, let them kind of thin thin their own numbers out, and then I'll try to clean up. Because I'm sure that his strategy is just going to be freeze everybody still, just like he did in the Heroes and Villains thing, and then just walk up and tap their targets with a ball. I mean, it should be that That's easy true. for him, depending on the quirks that he's up against. True. Well, Mira comes over the intercoms and says, hey, folks, there's 53 people that have passed. We're halfway through. Uh, if you haven't started, you better get on it. And so Todoroki's like, all right, you know, let's go find some folks. And he doesn't end up having to because a ball is thrown right at him. And he's he uses fire to, to knock it away or melt it. Uh, and it, it's kind of strange because the camera pans up and there's like this giant group of ninjas. I mean, I found out later that they're the Saijin Academy is what I think they're from, Mm -hmm. but they totally look like ninjas. I mean, they've got the full Naruto head plates and everything. Yeah. 
And you had mentioned off air that they're supposed to be like Power Rangers, and they do definitely look like the Power Rangers from the first season that are like from space or whatever. So Space Rangers or something. Yeah, they the little trivia section on their um, on their wiki page. I don't remember why we oh we went there to look up and see what uh, Sai Jin might have meant. Um, but right, in the trivia, right. I think it says that it meant adult, but it also mentioned that uh, the um, that they were modeled somewhat after Power Rangers. Well, they're attacking him just like ninjas would. Uh, I mean, it's interesting because Todoroki freezes them all off the, I mean, like immediately, of course, like you're saying. Uh, and they're able to break out of it. And w- like, I guess the head honcho of these ninja characters is throwing just like these common hardware items at Todoroki. And as they're going through the air, he's making them huge. So, you know, the f- so the other school, Ketsubutsu made their like balls really really hard and almost like rock like to be able to hurt i, I had to restate that there's no way i can no nope, just in. roll with it because you're <laughs> leaving you're, you're you're setting me up perfectly for my last it's not that kind of anime so yep the okay, one school right, makes balls right. hard what does this guy do well this guy is literally throwing nails and nuts at each other and, uh, or not each other but at todoroki and he's making them huge yep I just, my last note for either of these episodes is simply a quirk that makes things bigger, huh? It's not that kind of anime, though. <laughs> well, and it's interesting, too, though, because this this ninja is kind of smart. Like, I don't know if he knew he was going to go after Todoroki, but Todoroki tries to actually melt one of the nails, I think, or maybe it was one of the nuts, uh, and he can't melt it. And the ninja's like, oh, I use tungsten, which has a much higher melting rate than normal metal does or steel. So you'll never be able to melt anything I throw at you. Uh, so it looks like Todoroki is uh, going to be in kind of a, a hard spot here to continue with our theme. <laughs> yeah, and we've only really seen maybe one or two quirks of the... I mean, he's got like 10 or 12 of these ninja guys standing in front of him. And um, this whole this whole scene is not in the manga. Um, really? So, yeah, like in the manga... Even before the episode with Clayface, Mysterious Lady, um, Todoroki is just like in a single page, uh, a man manages to get his two knockouts and is told like, hey, you passed, come on in. I mean, it's it's really that simple. Um, did he, did he knock out featured. anyone specific or was it just like a quick, like you didn't even see who he knocked out? No, it's like a single panel where there's like a handful of people frozen and one of them just says darn and none of them look anything like the ninjas that... Um, that we see in the anime. And then it's oh, just like, he just gets a message through. Apparently the little targets are like two way communicators and he's just like, all right, you pass. So, uh, come on, come on in. And he goes to like a green room where a bunch of the other people who have supposedly passed are hanging out, including the Yaurashi guy. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how that plays out. It's, it's off book, but it seems really cool and exciting. I want to see more of it. Yeah. Definitely, me too. I like the idea of like a, a ninja quirk school too. I, I was a huge fan of Naruto, so this is totally gonna be something up my alley. But something about these guys—they—they they just look cool. Like I'm all about ninja stuff. So yeah, me too. Which I—I I don't think we mentioned it in our last episode whenever we were talking about the dorm rooms. But Tokoyami totally has a sword in his room. Yeah, and Midoriya <laughs> thought that was the coolest thing ever. He tried to pick it up, and then Tokoyami yeah. was like, "Get out!" I think I think that was the final straw. I wonder. It made me wonder if maybe like uh, if Dark Shadow is somehow like tied to that sword or something like if that's like a family heirloom. Like, I don't know. I have a lot of theories about this show in general, especially Tokoyami's power. We've talked about it a lot. Yeah. Uh, But I feel like that's a pretty common thing. in like Japanese folklore is like a, a family sword that has like a demon possession or something along with it. You know? Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be disappointed by that. And it might make. Well, would that make. 
calling the dark shadow a quirk even less reasonable if it's a you know an heirloom that gets passed around how's that a quirk uh, uh, well i mean maybe the quirk is the ability to control dark shadow i don't know okay. I don't, honestly i fair. just i want to see uh i think he renames his his ultimate move in this set of episodes he just starts calling it dark abyss yeah and i would love to see the dark abyss it's basically like his version of full cowling really um but I would love to see the Dark Abyss set up with that sword. How cool would that be? Like, that's not a dude that you would mess with. Like, if you're a villain and you're about to, you know, like, rob some somebody or do some villainous stuff and this, like, bird, you know, guy comes out of nowhere with a sword, I'd be like, nah, I'm good, bro. Just, yeah. just book me. Just <laughs> general good life advice. If a bird advances upon you wielding a sword, you should just disengage and run. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, at least with All Might, you're like, okay, like, I, he's just a dude, like, what all can this guy do, right? Like, yeah, he's a symbol of peace, but he's just another guy. He's just super strong. But, right. you know, to- Tokoyami rolls up on the scene with a sword. You better be running. Get out of there. <laughs> well, that's where we leave off with this episode. Todoroki's going to be fighting some ninjas next week, it looks like. I'm for it. I'm all about it, man. I'm excited. Uh, so I say we call it here, go home and figure out what happens to this guy. All right, guys, if you're following along, um, just be sure to watch in advance of next week. We're going to be moving on to episodes 55 and 56. That's what we're going to be covering in all of its spoilery goodness next week. Absolutely. And I think we've got another season finale coming up where we're going to cover three episodes. So I'm not sure if that's the following episode or not, but we'll be sure to let you know before we record it. Yeah, we'll let you know. We'll try not to let it sneak up on us and we'll try not to let it sneak up on you. Absolutely. Have a good week, folks. See you guys. Almighty Podcast is brought to you by the Back Patio Network. You can follow us on Twitter at AlmightyPod or follow at BackPatioNet for all network news. If you enjoyed what you heard, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash BackPatioNetwork. You can help support the network, get access to early episodes, and lots of other great stuff. If you want to get to know us, come hang out in our Discord channel. We have lots of fun and would love to have you in there. My name is Adam, and you can follow me on Twitter at TheRealSimso, S-I-M-S-O.